you all doing okay this morning? Doing good? Glad to be here? Glad to be alive? Seven of you are. The rest of you are not. Um, no, we're, we, we've been in a series this, um, this fall called Rooted, um, where we, each week we've kind of been looking at, at, at a different idea of, of one way that, that, that each week that we can just kind of put our anchor down and, 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 and to be rooted in, in, in who God is and in who God has created us to be. And, and so today we're going to be looking at this, this idea of what it looks like to be rooted in our calling, for us to have a, a clear understanding of, of what it is that God has put us, not just in Nashville, but, but, but on this planet for. And, and so what I want to do is I want to take a, just a few minutes this morning to kind of connect some of the dots for us between kind of birthday Sunday and, 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 and rooted and all these things that are kind of colliding at once. And so um, I, I want to give us some context for our birthday, uh, for, for why we do what we, what we do. And so growing up, one of the things that, that my mom and my dad um, would, would do for my older sister and younger brother and I, um, because my parents clearly hated us and they wanted to torture us, is that they would take us to one of these things called a family reunion. And I don't know if, if you ever went to a family reunion before, and, and, and maybe you've never had one of those, or maybe you, you, you look forward to your family reunion. Like, man, you just you spend a whole week or a whole weekend, and, and you just look forward to it. And, and that was not the case for, for this guy. And and, and so it, it seemed like every year, you know, my family would get together kind of one Sunday a year. And it was almost if they just called around and they found just the, the crappiest, most rundown building for us to have it. And, and so our family would just get together in this place. And, and as a kid, there's like nothing there to do. There's no basketball goal. There's no games. You're just sitting around with a bunch of strangers. And, and it was so fun for my, my, my parents, right? Because um, they would come into this place and they would get to reconnect with like cousins and they would get to connect with uncles and aunts and, and all these people. But for me, my sister and brother, like we walked in and there's just a bunch of strangers. And, 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 and my parents were just soaking up these conversations, enjoying catching up and reliving old memories. And we're just like looking at our watches and going, when can we get out of here? Right. And, 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 and I don't know if you guys ever had a moment like that, but, but I was just kind of thinking back to, to like family reunions that I had growing up. And, and one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't invest, that, that I would show up in this room full of like family, um, People that, that had stories of things that my great-grandparents did and, and their grandparents and, and, and all of these, these stories and these moments of, of perseverance and of overcoming obstacles and all these breakthroughs and things for our families. And because I was so stuck in my own world, just thinking about me, that, that I, I, I showed up to these things and I was just kind of pouting, like I didn't, I didn't want to be there. And there was something that just thinking back, I'm like, oh, I, I wish that I could go back and redo that. To have taken those moments to invest in these opportunities that my parents invited us into to get to know our family. You know, each year as a, a church family, we, we set aside our, our birthday to, to really help us connect with and, and learn about and, and invest in our, our global kingdom family that we're a part of. And it's so easy to just kind of to, to get so, you know, to get so um, fixed on our own little worlds, right? And our own problems and the own things that are going on in our lives, right? Each of us, if I came here this morning, I said, hey, what's going on in your life? You could spout off three or four or five or six or 10 minutes worth of, of things that are going on in your life. And so often what happens is that we just get so stuck in our world that we forget what God is doing in the world around us. And so each year we take our birthday and go, God, would you just open our eyes and would you remind us of the global purposes that you have for us? I want to give us a little history about our, our church's birthday. Um, about the time that Ethos started 
almost 11 years ago, there was this movement that was growing where, where people would give their birthday away. And it's still something that people do today. You know, you go online and, and instead of people getting gifts for their birthday, they'll pick some cause that they're um, supporting and they'll ask, you know, family or friends to donate toward this cause. And it's this really neat thing. And we, and we saw this 11 years ago and we're like, oh, that's a great idea that, that we wanted to, to celebrate our birthday as a church family. We didn't know how. And so we go, what if we, what if we invited our church family to give our birthday away? We do something special along those lines. And so there's a guy that was going to our church at that time and, and he let us know about a, a drought that was going on in the Horn of Africa. And it was some connections that he had and, 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 and so he told us about it. And we're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we invited our church family to give? And so that first year we, we told all of Ethos, it was one campus, you know, one meeting at that time and we, and we told our church about it. And, and it was so cool because our church gave $7,000 in one Sunday, to put that in context, our church was giving $12,000 a year at that point. And so um, that was a huge Sunday for us. It'd be like, you know, giving like $1.2 million now in a Sunday. And so all about context, right? And, and so the first year that, that, that we realized, man, we thought that, that God was doing something. He's like planting this seed in our heart to help us see the, the needs beyond Nashville, but more than just seeing the needs, he was showing us that, that we could help be a part of, of helping meet those needs. And so year two rolls around and, and we got hooked up with this organization called Charity Water. Have you guys heard of Charity Water? Several of you. And so Charity Water, they, they will take 100% of what is donated to their organization and they'll give it away to build clean water wells all over the world. And so years two, three, and four at Ethos, we had the opportunity to, to build so many wells all over the world. And it was incredible. That, um, the next year, there was this woman in our church, I don't know if it was the next year, but one of the years, this, this lady was a part of our church family. Her name was Whitney. She's from Kenya and she was running cross country at Belmont. She was a part of Ethos. And, and so she had come to the States to... Um, to become educated so that she could become a pharmacist so that she can move back to Kenya and help her village and help the people that she grew up with. And, and, and so she told us about her village, like, hey, we don't have clean water. And so it was so fun that, that our church got to give to, to literally bless a family and a village of a girl that was a part of our church family that was directly related. And it was just so fun to, to over the years, get to give towards the, the global benefit of other people. See, it's always been our heart to help people. It's always been the heart of our church and the heart of the church to be about more than just ourselves. Every year we give 100% away on our birthday of what has come in. And a few years ago, we started to, to be intentional about using our birthday to specifically partner with and plant churches globally. Um, you know, we are a church plant that, that seven years ago that, that this church was planted. And we just started to, to, to see some dots that, that if, if it's a church family, is, if, if we can invest in, in churches that are being planted, then, then not only will the, 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 the physical needs of the people around those churches be taken care of, but also will the spiritual needs. And I go, it's so cool to even think about how that's transpiring in our church. This church was planted seven years ago and we had no idea what God was going to do, but we knew that when a church was planted, that the spiritual and the physical needs of things of those around us would be starting to, to be taken care of. And so last Sunday, was, Brenda was here, a lady that lives in, right in the neighborhood, right behind us. And she started this organization called Bus Stop Strong. And, and, and this past summer, we got to invest in, in these 40 kids that are living right behind us to meet their physical needs. Or I think about a, a few weeks ago when, when we left here, we went to Kroger, 
right? And that whole Sunday was to stock a food pantry that would feed hungry people. Every single week, 200 people are receiving food from this food pantry. And I go, what happens when a church shows up to town? Well, physical needs get met. But more than that, spiritual needs start to become met. And so we started to go as a church family, hey, can, can we leverage our birthday Sunday to, to, to do something that would meet the both physical and the spiritual needs of people around us? You see, it's always been our, our intention, to our mission. Every week, is, we say to love God, to love people, and to awaken a movement. And the movement that we're, that we're awakening is a movement of Jesus. The movement that Jesus is, is leading, the, the, the idea that Jesus is real, that, that Jesus' power is real, that Jesus' love is real, that Jesus' salvation is real, that, that the movement that we're wanting to spread all over the world is, is not a movement of just being kind and being nice, but the movement of King Jesus. Do you realize that we live in a world where there are four billion people that do not know Christ? And yet, I go, is, have you ever felt this, that, that we live in this tension? Last week, Brenda's talking, and I, I don't know if this stood out to you, but man, the, the fact that, you know, a couple hundred yards away from us, that, that there's... There's physical abuse, um, there's substance abuse, um, there's all kind of violence and, and murder. Did you hear that? Like her husband got murdered and I go, man, that, that there are so many needs around us and, and, and often we start to, to think about the nations, we start to think about the global church and we're like, man, do we even, like is there a role for us even to play in that? Like, shouldn't we just be concerned with the needs around us? In fact, I had a conversation with a, a friend that's an, a pastor here and, and, and he kind of views it as, man, a church is here just to, to, to deal with the, the local needs. There's so many local needs around us and I'm going, man, but when we, when we only concentrate on the local, we're, we're missing out on the bigger heart that God has. First John chapter two, this is what it says, that, that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Not just in Nashville. And I believe that this morning, God is wanting to expand the scope of what God is doing and what God has for us to do. That God is wanting to, to root us and remind us in what we've been called to do, both in Nashville, all the way to the nations. Let me ask you a question. How do you think God feels about those who don't know him? How do, you, how do you think God feels about those who don't know him? I believe that the way you answer that question is, is directly related to how you understand your calling in life. About a month ago, I was at a, a plaque store. I was picking up some plaques for something that we were doing. And, and I walk in on Thursday with all three of my kids and you know, a little chaos. I'm just trying to keep them from breaking everything in the building, right? And and I start to have this conversation with this lady and I tell her what I need. She's like, okay, hey, they'll be ready first thing Monday. You know, have a great weekend. So I come back on Monday and I walk in and, and they're not ready. You ever had one of those moments where you just want to be like, yeah, but you told me they're going to be ready, right? Like you, you got my hopes up. And, and so I, I feel this just like frustration start to bubble up inside of me. And I literally just feel the Holy Spirit be like, hey, I'm doing something here. Just calm down. So the lady's like, hey, I'll... I'll I'll have them ready in an hour if you want to come back. And I'm like, okay, I'll go and, you know, take, some, take care of some things. So I come back in an hour 
And, and we're small talking. She starts to, to open up a little bit. This woman's in her late 50s and she starts to tell me about her husband. She starts to tell me about her children. And, and it's really sweet. She's like, yeah, my, my son, he lives right next door to us. And, and every Sunday morning he comes over and we eat breakfast together. And she starts to just tell me about how like, sweet that, that connection is at that time. And, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Did you get to do that? Like, um, do you have other kids? And, and you know, her, whole, her, her, her tone begins to change. She said, yeah, I have another daughter and I've been estranged from here for years. Haven't talked to her, haven't heard from her. And, and she's like, it wasn't, it wasn't my and my husband's choice that, that she made the choice to kind of cut us out of her life. And, you know, we're, I'm sitting there talking to her and don't really know how to transition out of that. And, and so she begins to talk and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. And um, you know, just kind of go about her day. And, and I'm walking out the store and I feel like the Lord just going, you need to go back and, and pray for her. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm already out the door. This is gonna be awkward. Like, but you know that feeling when the spirit is nudging you to do something. So I go back in and, and I'm like, hey, this might sound weird, but is it okay if I pray for you? I don't know you very well. Can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, I'd love that very much. And so I start praying and I feel like the Lord is just leading me to pray for reconciliation with her and her daughter. So I'm praying for, and, and then I start to pray, God, would you, would you restore this broken relationship? And she begins to weep. This mama's heart be begins to weep and, and, and we get done praying and she's just wiping her eyes and she gives me this hug and she's like, thank you so much. That is exactly what I needed. And what, I learned something about the heart of God in that moment. I saw the, the, a clearer picture of, of God's heart in that moment. That this mom, that, that although she had one son that was close and that she had, had so much connection and so much community with, that, that she didn't have that with, with her daughter and, and, and she didn't go, well, you know what, it's enough just to have one son in good, in good, in good graces. No, it was her heart that, that longed for that with all of her children. And I go, do you want to know how God feels about those kids of his who don't know him, who are estranged from him? I tell you this, God, our God is not indifferent. And our God doesn't just accept it. Our God has invested so much in us as humanity. Our God has given so much to us. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I want you to, to look at this passage with me. I feel like I'm all over the place and I need to apologize because I came in this morning and I felt like I was gonna teach on a different passage. And I felt like the Lord was just going, that's not what you need to teach today. This is where you need to be. So if it's all over the place, it's because I got up at 4.30 and have been working on it. So that's why. And so Galatians chapter two, I invite you to, to hear these, to hear what God is saying to you. Verse, verse 20, this is Paul. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen to this. The Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. When is the last time that you really thought about that? That Jesus actually loves you. Every night before bed, I sing that song to my kids. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why do I sing that? Because I want them to know. 
that Christ delights in them. That, that Christ loves them, that, that Jesus doesn't look at them and, and is indifferent if they come to, to know him and love him, that, that God's heart is that each of us would understand that he loves us dearly. You know, Paul says this, that faith in the son of God who loves me and who gave himself for me. And I think sometimes it's, it's easy to read passages like that and we're like, yeah, of course you felt that, Paul. You were awesome. But if you read about the life that Paul lived before Christ came into his life, he was a man that was just reckless in the worst kind of way. And then Christ got a hold of him. And, and, and the testimony of, Christ, or of Paul's life over and over again is the goodness of Jesus. The realness of Jesus that sought him out, that found him, that loved him. And I go, for you to understand to, that, that you have to personally bring that into your life. Like that is the thing that will, that will transform your life when you begin to understand that Christ doesn't just love the person next to you, that Christ loves you. That Christ gave himself for you. For you to believe deep in your heart that, that Christ wants relationship with you. That that is what he put you here for. I see my sister Natasha this morning here and and it's, it's so crazy that there's a guy in our, our church family, he's a part of the cannery with his wife and his children. And on Tuesday of this week, he literally gave his kidney to a, a friend of his. Do you think that guy's sitting around going, I wonder if Jeff loves me? <laughs> like, do you think that he's, he's sitting at home like on the, on, on the path of, of having this new kidney that's not his own inside of his body going, I wonder if he cares about me? Right, and yet how often we do that with Christ. And I think what happens is that so often the, the way that we try to determine how God feels about us is that we start to look at our circumstances that are unfolding around us instead of looking to the cross where the love of Christ was revealed. That we look at the things that are going on in our life that are going wrong and we're going, man, God must not be for me. Christ must not be with me. Christ not, must not be paying attention to me. And the reality is that we're just looking at the wrong things. If you wanna know about how Christ feels about you, don't look at the circumstances that are unfolding around you. What if Jesus did that? What if Jesus spent his whole life looking at the circumstances, trying to figure out how God felt about him based upon the things that happened? Well, he'd be a pretty depressed, miserable person. All of his friends abandoned him. The crowds that loved him turned on him. He died on a cross alone with no inheritance to pass along to anyone physically. He was tortured, he was murdered, he was betrayed, he was hated by all. I go, what happens when we start to try to make sense about how Christ feels about us based upon the things that are going on around us? You miss it completely. So you wanna know how you, how you know what Christ feels about you? Look to the cross and let that personally come into your life that Paul Christ died for you to forgive all of your sins and chain Christ died for you. And when we start to really understand that and own that, we come alive. We come alive as we look to Christ, as we look to the cross. And here's the thing, we live in a culture of, 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 of creativity and of newness, right? And we're always wanting the, the newest thing and the freshest thing. And what Paul says over and over again is, I resolve to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And I think so often the reason that we become unrooted, the reason that we become so tossed and turned and and everything about life, it, it throws us off and we're constantly wondering about who we are and does God love us is because we're looking to the wrong thing. When we encounter Christ, when we fix our eyes on the cross, we discover our calling. Galatians chapter one, verse one has been just ripping my heart open the past few days. This is what Paul says. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Sent not by men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ. You see, Paul understood the one who found him. And he understood there's that same one who found him sent him. And some of you, the, the, the reason that you're not coming alive for God is because you've never let God find you. You've been running from God. You've been running from the calling that God has for your life. You've been running from intimacy. You've been running and hiding. And the invitation is to come out of hiding, come back to God. Paul understood who had sent him. Do we live with, with that same conviction? Like when, when you think about your life, do you, do you believe that Jesus has sent you to do anything? Or is that just something for Paul? Was that just something for like the, the really awesome Christians? Do you understand that, that Christ has saved us, he has sought us out, and he has sent us, he has called us to do things for him. You've been sent by Christ to make clear to the world who Christ is. Do you understand that? That your life's calling is, is you've, you've been sent by Christ to help other people know the Christ that you know. And I think so often what, what keeps us, there are two things that, that keep us from stepping into to the life that God has called us to. One is, is, a, is a blurry vision, a, 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 is, is a lack of clarity on who Christ is. And we've already dealt with that. Christ loves you, right? So often the reason you don't share your faith, the reason you don't, you don't engage deeper, the way you don't reach out to your neighbors, the reason that you don't share, uh, you're not bold for Christ is because you're not, you're not clear on who Christ is if he actually loves you. Look to the cross, Okay. It's cleared up. The other thing that I want us to talk about this morning, a reason that that keeps us from from stepping into this calling of making Christ known is that we are so attached to our comfort. That we we are so content just having everything knowledge and resources and, and keeping them to ourselves. But we look at Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, though he was rich, he became poor for your sake, for my sake. He stepped out of his comfort. This is in our, is our history as, as, as the movement of Jesus, as, the, as our, our deep in our family lineage. You go back and you read in, in the book of Joshua and, and what you see unfolding is that the, 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 the day before God is going to bring the Israelites into the promised land. You read this in Joshua chapter one, that there were these tribes, Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, and they had already had their inheritance. 
They'd looked at the land that they were living in on the other side of the Jordan and they had made peace with Moses. Hey, this land is, is, is beautiful. This is where we wanna dwell. This is where we wanna live. And so the Israelites for 40 years as they're living in the desert, these three tribes start to build their homes and they start to, to develop their fields and they start to build their sheep pens and all the things that you did in the, uh, back in their day. And, and then it was time for, for, for God to bring his other people into the promised land. And what's so cool is that, is that the, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were the first ones to, to lead the way. And you're like, Brandon, what are you talking about this morning? Here's what I want us to see. They stepped out of their comfort. Life was so good for them. They had no reason to, to think about the rest of the people in their family the other Israelites, that, that they weren't gonna step into this land. They, they already had their land. They had their homes. They had, they had God. They had all the things that they needed. And there was nothing about them that, that, that stood and go, you know what, we have ours. Let's let everyone else get theirs. That there was this deep understanding that once you have, that once you've been given, that, that you don't just keep it to yourself, that you share that with the world around you. And I want to talk about this in just real quick, a, a couple of specific ways. I think that the, the, the way that we help make Christ known in, 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 the, in the Nashville and in the nations is through our time. We're so protective. We're so comfortable with our time. We, we, we want to protect our time and make sure that we're, we're taking care of ourselves. And don't hear me saying that you need to neglect yourself and not you know, take care of your own heart. But I'm going, man, think about it. How are you spending your time? Like how much time are you really spending for the explicit purpose of helping other people come alive in God? My wife, I want to brag on her for a minute. This weekend, she left on Friday with our three kids and went up to Louisville to visit her sister who was having a, um, her, her daughter. So our niece is having her first birthday. And so Courtney um, and my in-laws and our three kids, they, they go up to Louisville, they get there super late. They're all in one hotel room, you know, sleeping with three little kids. And you can imagine how restful that was. And, and so they, they don't sleep well and they go to this party and, and, they're, and they're driving home and Court gets home like 4.30 and she's just gassed. She's so tired. And our neighbors had invited us over. Our, our neighbors are just infamous, infamous for throwing these incredible parties, right? That it feels like every month there's just this crowd of people that are at their house. And I told Court, I wanna be invited to one of their parties. Like... Like, I, I want to be there. And, and it was so cool because they invited us. And, and the best that we can tell, our neighbors are not following Jesus. And so we get home last night and Courtney's absolutely gassed. But she understands the importance of our life is not about us. It's not about our comfort, right? That she'd easily just be justified coming home, put on the PJs, just take it easy for the rest of the night. But instead she goes and she engages with our neighbors. Who knows what God's doing there? We, we, we do this with our time. We do this with our resources. Right, you start talking about money and, and, and something just rises up and it gets, you know, don't, don't ask for my money, right? Like, but when we understand that God has given to us to bless others, and in America, we've been blessed with so much wealth. 
Next Sunday, we're gonna take up an offering and our offering is going to, to go to support seven different global church partners that we have. And these aren't just random partners. These are, are people that have come our way that have gone through our, our onward church planning um, training. It's a, uh, an organization that, that was started at Ethos. It's run by a couple of people in our church family that, that specifically cha- trains church planners. And so every Tuesday this, this past year, these global partners would get on and they would have this, this conference call of, of training and equipping. And so we started to discover these needs that are popping up in Macedonia and in Denmark and in Kenya and in India and in, 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 in Lisbon, Portugal and, and, and in Uganda. And we go, man, what if, if we could leverage what, what God has given to us to, to support and bless church planters all over the world? What if you and I go, man, God, not like how, how much should we give God, but how much can we give? Right, and you start to really learn about what matters to you when opportunities come your way to invest in the global church. You start to, 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 to see exactly how passionate you are about people coming to know Christ. Right, that, 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 that we've been given this opportunity. And the reality is that, that most of us, you'll, you'll never see the fruit of your money, this side of heaven. So you show up next Sunday and, and you give generously. And, and the difference is, you know, when you give locally, you get to see the fruit of it. You're going to get to see changed lives and bus stops strong. You get to see hungry people fed in our city. And those things are incredible. We're going to keep doing them. But so often what happens is that because we don't feel close to it, because it feels so distant. But I want to tell you just one quick story. There's this... Um, church planner in Macedonia. Actually, Andrew got to go and spend some time with Sasha and his wife, Maria. And, and they live in, in Macedonia. And, and he was telling us a story about a woman in his church family whose name's Vera. And Vera is a, um, a woman who just came to know Christ about 18 months ago. And, and so because she'd come to know Christ, the goodness of who Christ is, she starts to, to tell her family. And her daughter is um, the, the police chief in their hometown. And so she starts to, to tell her daughter about Christ. And her daughter just is very antagonistic. Like, don't talk about Jesus. We don't want Jesus in our family. We don't want him. I don't want my kids knowing about him. And so she's just very much atheist. Like, keep Christ to yourself. We don't want him. Well, a couple things happen that, that um, this woman, Vera, her son-in-law gets in a, in a really bad car accident. Prior to this, Vera had invited these kids, invited her daughter to, to come to church with her, that they were doing this Christmas program where they were handing out gifts to these kids and they were giving them these CDs of worship songs. And, 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 and Vera's grandkids come and they start to, to see, man, that, that they start to sing and they get in the car and they wanna to listen to the CD every time they're in the car and they start to, to worship and they start to come alive and, and they're starting to get interested in Jesus. And there was something that happened in Vera's daughter-in-law's heart, watching her kids get excited about church so this, this car accident happens and her son-in-law is, is injured in the hospital and, and Vera goes to visit him and the, and the daughter who is very much antagonistic about faith, she looks at her mom and she says, mom, will you pray? And for us, it's like, yeah, prayer's a big deal or prayer's not a big deal, right? We do that all the time. But for a woman who said, I don't want you to bring anything about Jesus into my life, for her to go, will you pray? Something's happening. And I go, what, what we're doing is, is next Sunday is we're just inviting you to, to care about the global church. 
that you're gonna have the opportunity to, to, to support some people who are, are making a difference and helping people come to know Christ, even if it's just little prayers like that, who knows the end of the story? For us to understand that, that God has given to us, that God has sent us so that Christ can be made known. I was having a fresh just kind of a reminder of, of what God has created me for. When I was in fifth grade, I preached my first sermon. It was the worst sermon you've ever heard in your life. People lost their faith listening to it. It was so bad. But there was something about preaching that just came alive in me. And I knew that God had made me to do this. That God had made me to, to, to tell people about Christ. How much he loves them, how real he is, how good he is. And the Lord was just reminding me, because I, I don't know if you're like you, but, but, but so often that, that God gets a hold of your heart. And think about the, that for those of you who are Christians, what life was like when you first came to know Christ. Man, you're red hot and you're always talking and you're inviting people to come to know him. And there's something that happens where our, our vision gets blurred. And the Lord was just reminding me, I called you. And I want to encourage you to think about what has God called you to do? Maybe it's bigger than just going to a job Monday through Friday. Maybe it's bigger than just being a nice person. Maybe the reason Christ put you here is to help other people discover who he is. And wouldn't it be awesome if, if you spend your entire life working really hard to make Jesus known here in Nashville? And then God opens up opportunities for you to do things like to give or to go one day. And you get to make him known among the nations. Think about the life, the stories that will be told for a life that's completely captivated by Christ. And do you want that? Do you want that? Let's pray. God, I don't have a, a way to end this. And so I'm just asking that you would speak. And that God, the things that you're stirring this morning, God, we wouldn't let those things just pass away. I know so often, Father, you will, you'll speak something to me and I, and I let it go. And I pray this morning that any words that were not from you will be forgotten. God, that the words that are from you will just stay in our hearts. I pray that you will give us a fresh just reminder of what you've called us to do. Yeah, God, thank you. Thanks for these people. Thanks for what you're doing. I pray this in your name. Amen.